0: Welcome to the Speaking From Our Hearts podcast. In this edition, we'll be talking about many aspects of life, particularly health, relationships, and wealth-related topics, all from a heart-centered approach. Your host,
1: Paul Lowe, has a long and successful history of helping others through his coaching and mentoring, as well as his many charitable initiatives. He's been responsible for positively
0: impacting thousands of people's lives, particularly young people from challenging backgrounds. Paul is the author of the books Mastering the Game of Life from Pain to Purpose and Speaking from Our Hearts. Welcome listeners to this Speaking from Our Hearts podcast episode where my, my special guest today is a lady all the way from Maryland, United States of America by the name of Marla Stahl. And Marla is here to tell us today about saving lives one book at a time. Marla, very, very, very warm welcome to you.
1: Thank you, Paul. I'm so honoured to be on your show today.
0: So, a very, very intriguing title, Saving Lives One Book at a Time. Tell us more.
1: Well, um, I started writing children's books in 2015, uh, quite by happenstance. Didn't plan to be a children's book author, but it happened. And um, as I was writing the first book, It occurred to me that I could use it not only to help educate children about kindness to animals and and give them something they would love to read, but I could also do something better than that. So when I sell my books, I give part of it 10% of that away to animal rescues and occasionally to a people rescue as well. And I just thought that would be a really good way because um, I have a very big heart, maybe a little too big sometimes, and... um, I believe that animals don't always have a voice and um, there's just so many stray animals and uh, animals who are mistreated. And I've learned that there are so many people out there who are true animal rescuers who go out and find these dogs that have been uh, abandoned um, in some cases um, or mistreated and bring them in to foster them in their own homes or they have animal sanctuaries. And they're doing the hard work that I could not do because I would be crying all the time. (laughs) And so I just wanted to find a way to support them. I've met a few of them. and They're just, they're angels. And I wanted a way to support them and knew I couldn't do what they were doing. So I thought if I could um, sell my children's books, which are about dogs, and give them part of the proceeds from that, I can help them do the important work, the life-saving work that they're doing out there.
0: Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And and you know what I love about this personally, Marla? When um it's the, the term I use now is quite patronizing or may come across as patronizing, but it was a term that sustain, sustained me in my early years of darkness, and it was to for fight for the underdog. You know, mm-hmm. my sense of purpose was to fight for people that couldn't fight for themselves. And what my journey as um, how that's developed over the years, Marla, is actually a massive part of that mentality now, that that compassion is a better word, a more appropriate reflection of, of who I am, but is to you know to to try and show love and compassion and protect people and and animals that can't protect themselves. Um, Absolutely. So the sentiment's still the same. I've just kind of, you know, changed the the terminology because of it was brought to my attention on more than one occasion. Paul fighting for the underdog. It's very patronising. I actually, on a personal level, if I can share this, I don't think it is. But you know, I kind of bow to the. Uh, uh the political correctness that prevails within our world these days uh Marla because I think actions speak louder than words and forgive me if my my words are not quite appropriate but my actions are very very appropriate so uh but that that's a personal thing and I don't want to sort of uh hog the um hog the limelight from you by uh, going on a personal crusade
1: so I love it I love it
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay and I
1: agree with you so much um all my life, I've kind of been a person who has, to use that phrase, um, rooted for the underdog. I, um, You know, children who other kids won't play with, um, you know, anybody who's kind of not favored or whatever. Those are people I gravitate to mm. um, because my heart breaks for them. And so I've always supported people, animals that need that kind of help and compassion and yeah. care. That's just how I made you and I are very much alike.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, interested to sort of dig down, if I may, more about a comment you made right at the top of the conversation around, you know, having this massive heart um, and how that, and I forget the exact wording, but basically how that's not always worked in your favour. Do, you, do you want to get, share us a, a little
1: bit about that? Well, sure. I actually cry at Tylenol commercials on television. (laughs) That's how big my heart is. (laughs) And uh, my very first memory ever in life was I was three years old and my parents had taken me to see Bambi, my big brother and I, to see Bambi. And my first memory is being taken out of the theater. And I can't remember whether it was my mother or father holding me or maybe they took turns. I was crying uncontrollably when Bambi's mother was shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, that is my very first memory. And to this day, if I hear a dog whine or see someone who's sick or hurt, it just, it truly hurts my heart. And I will dry, cry at the drop of a hat um, to the detriment of, you know, I've been teased by my family when we would all watch movies together. And then the music comes on, you know, all the sad music and I'm just weeping, you know. <laughs> yeah. Or going with a friend uh, to take their little girl to see a movie. Is That's a commercial, um, not a commercial, a cartoon, like the Tigger movie, Tigger from Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. And um, it's filled with parents and grandparents and children. And I'm the only one walking out with red eyes from crying because, you know, mm-hmm. the poor little kangaroo had a big tear. And my neighbor said, you know, it is a cartoon, right? I said, I know, I know. <laughs> so I'm a little too compassionate. I just feel very, very deeply for others. And um, other people find it endearing. I kind of find it a little bit embarrassing sometimes, um, so that's kind of where I was going with that. Okay,
0: I mean, what what resonated me uh, with me there, Marla, as you were speaking, was Brenny Brown's take on the things around the power of vulnerability and how vulnerability is our strength. And certainly, with um, listeners will be very familiar uh, with me saying this around, you know, that power of vulnerability and that statement, that cliche call it what you will, around big boys don't cry. Well, from my experience of having gone through that very limited conditioning at an early age, you know, you just get on with it, you don't cry, you don't share weakness, or you're not a proper man. Well, (laughs) I'll tell you what, that is one of the things, it's one of the most ludicrous things I have ever heard in my life. But it's, it's a very influential way of um of bringing up our children isn't it um you know particularly with boys i think it you know it was okay probably still is okay for for girls to cry oh that's okay but not for boys and it's like well no it's not because first and foremost you know, overriding gender, overriding race, overriding all these other labels that society saw fit to to stick on us over the years. You know, you're black, you're white, you're gay, you're straight, you're rich, you're poor, you're tall, you're this, you're that. These ridiculous labels. It's like first and foremost, we're human beings, and yes. you know, the the universe knows no bounds. It doesn't recognise these humanistic labels so um yeah i I resonate with you massively um and we've only had a couple of brief chats off here um marla but as you said yet again at the top of this conversation that you know there is a connection and there's no coincidence for that uh, uh, connection what there is there is a coincidence of two hearts that um you know see fit to to show care and compassion for others that you know, whether they're people or pets or animals in general that um, that can't look after themselves so well. Um, and that, that's a vocation. And, and you know what? Whether we cry or not, that's not a bad one to have, is it?
1: It's not bad at all. In fact, I have to tell you, most of my, my lady friends, really their hearts melt with men who can cry in public. This is a very mm-hmm. big thing. It's really something that um, a lot of ladies really admire to show that vulnerability instead of having to be the tough guy yeah it's very important yeah, I, I value that very dearly
0: yeah and i think from you know from my understanding of what is generally known um there again sweeping statement generalization more as an alpha male whatever that label means uh but you mm-hmm. know let's let's use the sort of sub-label of a tough guy well you know, tough guys, they do cry. And the reason they cry, you know, the reason they're tough because they've come to terms with who they are really inside. They they know who they are. And they're not bothered about somebody laughing at them because they're they're crying because, you know, I've always said to to people around this, I don't know if you have the term in the States, Marla, but we have it in the UK about a hard man. Well, it's just another label. They don't exist. Because let me tell you this, his hands might be a bit quicker and a bit harder than somebody else's, um, but I'll tell you this: if his mother dies, or somebody close to him, he'll cry. And if you cut him, he'll bleed. So there is mm-hmm. no difference. They're just yeah against. They're just labels that we create for as we go through. They're survival labels. That's that's what I firmly believe they are. But um, so that that's an interesting kind of sub debate. But um, have
1: you always enjoyed writing? I, I have, actually. Um, when I was a young girl, probably fourth and fifth grade, um, I was a little bit ahead of my peers with reading and writing. And we had a wonderful teacher. Her name was Stella Rizzo. Mm-hmm. And she put together a class newsletter every week. And we could tr- contribute poems and stories or whatever we wanted. And so I was always a little bit ahead finishing my work and I would write stories and submit them. And uh, here's where some compassion comes in, actually. Um, There was a young man in my school named Andrew, and he was developmentally um, disabled. And a lot of the kids would make fun of him and wouldn't play with him. But again, me with the quote underdog, right, I had just had to befriend him. And so we became friends. And so um, his mother had a soft spot in her heart for me. And... When we graduated from elementary school, she wrote me the most beautiful letter that I kept for years, I might even still have it, thanking me for being a friend to her son. And then the last line said, I love reading your stories of the newsletter. And I think one day you're going to be a famous author. <laughs> and well, I'm not famous, but I did become an author. I wrote a little bit during my career, like professional type of writing. And then when I retired, um, I started writing a blog because I missed writing. Mm it's called warm sunshine blog just about life type of issues yeah and um so yes i've always really enjoyed writing and i found as i've gotten older it's a very good way to express yourself and to um just kind of um vocalize some things that are going on inside of you
0: yeah so i'm i'm aware um marla that uh, of four titles can sugar come out to play the adventures of grandma charlotte mason the ambassador dog and lucy the amazing wonder dog so Mm -hmm. um, just give us a brief walk through those four titles mara if you will oh
1: sure i also have another one sugar goes to the dentist but we'll save that one to the last because it's the (laughs) only one that's not true um so um starting with um, can sugar come out to play this is how wolf books got started had no intention of writing children's books um i had gotten sugar i had adopted her and I'd had her maybe two weeks. Now she was, I believe, mistreated in her former home. She was a rescue girl Hmm. and um, quickly adapted. We bonded pretty quickly. We were outside in the yard one day and a neighbor came over to talk over the fence and to say hello. And she kind of disappeared and I would call her back. And one time she was gone a little too long and I heard birds just squawking in the background. I said, I have to go check to see what's going on. And she had gotten hold of a bird. She didn't kill it, but she she had the bird. (laughs) And I quickly said, oh, drop it. And I took her in the house and actually gave her, as if she were my child, human child, you know, a little stern but loving talking to. I didn't want to yell or anything, you know, but I was Mm. you have to share our yard with other animals, you know. And and I gave this big speech about how sharing our yard is important and how the birds give us music in the morning when we go outside and all of this. And she's looking at me like, oh, yes, mommy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. like she's really listening. And um, so it was very interesting. Um, in the span of the next six days, there were like five days and a break and then a sixth day, where I would open the back patio door curtains uh, to let her out. And there'd be some sort of an animal, some sort of a creature there looking at me. Um, the first day, it was a, a squirrel was looking in and literally scratching on the glass door trying to come in. And every day there was something else. Um, one day I went to Uh, to look at the sunset. And I felt somebody looking at me and I looked down and there was a bunny sitting there looking at me with a big eye. And I felt like somebody else was looking at me. And there was another one across the yard that came romping over. And I was telling a friend about it. it was just so weird. Every day, there was some sort of creature. And I said, you know, either they're thanking me for keeping her in the house and keeping them safe, or they want her to come out and play. And we had a good laugh. And I said, you know, that would be a really fun children's book. So I ran to the computer after we hung up and I just started writing. Um, And the mantra of the book, since she's a rescue dog, is I will always love you, no matter what. Um, Since it's for children, I don't want to be too graphic about uh, animals who have been abused or mistreated, but I wanted them to know that very subtly that not all animals are safe, but if we give them loving homes, we can save their lives and, and change their lives. And so... Um, you know, I talked to her about, you know, you have to share with the frogs, you have to share with the bunnies, you know, just froggies too. Yes, you even have to share with the frogs. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, but the mantra throughout the whole thing is, I'll always love you no matter what, and she's thinking, even when I'm naughty, yes, even when you're naughty, and what kid doesn't need to hear that, right? And um, in fact, some people have even told me they've gotten a spiritual message from that. Um, so that was kind of a neat thing when I heard that. Um, but that's how that started. A lot of values about friendship and sharing and unconditional love, which dogs are wonderful about. And, um, so that was the first one do do you have questions about that or should I move on to the next? No,
0: just, I'm just at this stage, Amal. I just want to kind of get a flavor for, you know, the collective nature of what you're doing. Um, so that, that, that was very good. So thank you for that share
1: okay you're welcome the next one was about the dog i had before sugar that is um lucy the amazing wonder dog and she was pretty funny she had some pretty funny antics and um i had always wanted to do something for her and just wasn't able to do it at the time i had her so i said well she has to be the next book and she uses her imagination um she says i don't know why my mother calls me the amazing wonder dog i just do ordinary things like ordinary dogs like Mm climbing mountains and you look at the picture and she's sitting on a pile of blankets on the couch, you know, or protecting my family from danger. And she's looking out the window at the mailman. So it's kind of a fun book where she's using her imagination It kind of helps kids use their imagination and find out why that's funny, kind yeah. of expands their critical thinking skills a little bit. And so and it's all true based on things. Well, not all of it. She wants to be an astronaut. She never told me that. But a lot of the things that she does are based on antics that she actually did um, here in the house. So that's a lot of fun. Um, after that, I had a couple books come out. Um, I will tell you first about Sugar Goes to the Dentist because that was just a real quick fun one. That's the only one that's not based in truth. I was at my dentist and my hygienist asked if I had any more books coming out. And I said, no, I haven't thought of any right now. And she said, well, you should do a book about her going to the dentist. All right. And I said, well, you know, if you've ever seen a dog getting their teeth clean, there's nothing really pretty or fun about that. And she says, we'll make it like she comes to the regular dentist. So I'm sitting there while she's cleaning my teeth and I'm thinking and I'm thinking and I live exactly two miles away from my dentist. And uh, all the way home, I had the story written of course ran to the said hi to my dog and ran to the computer and (laughs) wrote this little story. And so that was just a fun one. Um, Just kind of hoping that children who maybe haven't had their first visit yet can relax a little bit, you know, show them some of the positive aspects of it before they get scared, you know. And um, so that was that. And then um, the next one has a, a, a bit of a longer story. Mason, the ambassador dog, um, I'd gone to Puerto Rico several years ago to visit a friend and loved the people and the music and the food and everybody just made me feel like family. It was wonderful, but there was one thing that was very upsetting. And that is that there are anywhere between and 300,000 stray dogs on the island. And they were everywhere and it really upset me. Um, You know, you'd see dogs on the side of the road that had been hurt and just left there, and dogs laying there, you didn't know if they were alive or not. It was very upsetting to me, and we met this one little girl who clearly had just had puppies, um, found out there was a homeless man that owned her, and if um, he'd go to the shelter and get food and uh, share with her, he would, but if he couldn't or there wasn't enough to share, she would come into town and People would, you know, throw things at her and uh, her story just broke my heart. So we're buying chicken from the vendor and giving her chicken and, you know, and tried to give her water and she didn't want it, but she's drinking water out of a puddle in front of a truck in the street. And we went to dinner after that and I just cried the whole time. And it just, it kissed me crying (laughs) Uh, with things like that. And so I got home and I said, I have to do something. I have to write to the governor of Puerto Rico. I have to do something. And I went online, and I found this uh, animal sanctuary called Second Chance animal, sanctuary, animal Rescue of Puerto Rico, Second Chance, and um, started supporting them financially, and then started to kind of befriend the owner a little bit, and one day, she asked me if I would write her a book about her dog named Mason, and I said, well, tell me about him. Well, Mason uses a doggy wheelchair. He can't use his back legs, and... I said, Oh, well, that's interesting. Tell me more. And she said, maybe you could write like a Perry Mason. Do you guys remember, did you have Perry Mason in yes, the UK?
0: Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: And so I said, well, you know, a lot of the people huh. who will be reading these books, young parents have no idea who Perry Mason was. So um, I said, tell you what, next time I come to Puerto Rico, I'll visit and we'll see what we can do. So a couple of years later, I went back to Puerto Rico and I took my camera and I took my friends and we went up to the sanctuary And just, uh, we got the tour of the sanctuary. We met Mason. He loved his belly rubs. You know, he posed with his doggy wheelchair on and just took pictures of everything and met all the workers, you know, the volunteers and, and, and staff that were there. It was just this beautiful experience. And I was apologizing to my friends for keeping them there for so long, but they didn't want to leave. They were just loving being there with all the dogs and, um, So I got home and I was looking at the pictures trying to decide what to do in terms of a story and the things she had told me about Mason. Um, She said that Mason was kind of like an ambassador. When the new dogs came in, he would run over and kind of lick them and show them the ropes. And if there's another dog that was disabled, um, he would especially pay attention to them. And She said he was an ambassador. And I said, oh, you mean an ambassador dog? And she liked that. So that's why the story became Mason the Ambassador Dog but instead of being a story, it was really um, geared to be more of an educational piece. So you see the pictures some pictures of Puerto Rico, you see some pictures of the dogs and different people who work there. Um, And it really became more of an educational piece about what a real animal sanctuary looks like. Now I have to tell you about Bonnie. Bonnie at any given time has between 120 and 150 animals in her sanctuary. Wow. And, and, um, every time she will take a shipment to San Juan to ship back here to the States um, for her affiliate rescues um, to be adopted here, or she adopts a few in Puerto Rico on the way back, she finds another dog. People will just come and leave dogs at her doorstep of her sanctuary because they know she's going to take care of them. And so she always has a huge amount of animals. Now, during Hurricane Maria, um, she was up there on the mountain. It's a very windy mountain she's up on top of in or about halfway up, and she was up there with 150 animals by herself because her volunteers and workers had gone home, and she had prepared for the hurricane, thinking it was a normal hurricane, maybe three to five days. So she had a lot of food and water and everything. Well, you know how long that all lasted, and she was up on the hill, on the mountain that was impassable. Nobody could get to her, and weeks now are going by. And luckily, she had a generator, and she had a rain garden, but we didn't know how she was doing for food or anything. We couldn't communicate with her. So everybody was really concerned. So we charted, a chartered a helicopter to go check on her and they did a drop of water and people food and dog food and cat food <laughs> um, just to make sure that she was okay till they can get to her and, and everything. But the, the hardest part for her was that she has two major yards where she um, lets the dogs run free at different times of day and one of them she couldn't use because it was damaged by the hurricane. A tree had come down. So she really had only one play area for the dogs. So she spent her entire days rotating. She'd take you know, 10, 15 out, let them run around, bring them back in, and she just kept doing this, doing this till everybody had a chance to get out and stretch and everything. It was a constant thing. She was exhausted. Um, happy news is she has since had repairs made and she's doing great. Animals are doing great. Um, But I do need to tell you, uh, do you all have the Animal Planet in the UK, the Animal Planet television station?
0: Do we? Um, Do you know what, Marla, to my embarrassment, I don't actually know.
1: Okay, well, we have something here called the Animal Planet, and it's uh, all kinds of shows about all kinds of animal issues. And there was a show that was on for one uh, one season, and it was called Amanda to the Rescue. A lady named Amanda Geis is out in Washington State, here in the States, and she has her own animal rescue and she loves to adopt animals that other people may not because of different disabilities and things. Some maybe have um, had a leg amputated or um, somehow um, need extra care. And so she heard about Bonnie's work and she went to Puerto Rico and she filmed an episode uh, of Amanda to the Rescue on December 2nd, 2018. And uh, so Mason was a superstar. He was on television, Bonnie was on television. And so the whole world, or at least uh, the United States, got to see um, what goes on there at that sanctuary, and they actually showed them rescuing some dogs and things, it's very powerful. So um, this book is not only in English, it's also in Spanish. My friend went to visit translated it into Spanish. And so not only are Spanish speakers able to read it, but it's a very good teaching tool. If any teachers teach the Spanish language, say in middle school or high school, it's a wonderful teaching tool for the vocabulary.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the thing that's kind of um what struck me more listening to your you know your various accounts there of the um let's call them beautiful canine show because I, I struggle with the word dog. You know, despite that what I've said at the top of this um this podcast conversation around this this term, this this phraseology of fighting for the underdog. I mean that's a generalization. It's not I don't think it's specific then to something as beautiful um, as a canine. Um, you know, to call them a, a dog. Um, and I know by sort of, you know, that that's, that's technically, I suppose, what they are. Or is it? Is it technically what they are? It's what we know them by. So, um, but I don't know. Am I being too sort of... Um, am I being too getting too bogged down on this because of the compassion and the, and this need to really just wrap them all up and, and love them and care for them and, and just stamp out this cruelty and this abuse and this neglect and all this stuff that, that, that prevails with them. And of course, it prevails with humans as well. But yes. somehow I feel, and I, I don't know the exact stats on this, but my understanding is that, you know, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll throw out there um i'll I'll throw out a statement or or a general statement marla that well it's only a dog it's not a person Ooh. yeah exactly yeah you know um, it's a
1: living creature it's a living creature
0: and it's it's a beautiful soul and you know when you know i I speak from experience of and a very recent experience which is another time another episode now i'll certainly share it with you um you know, when we speak, um, another time, uh, Marla, but of the power of pets. I mean, certainly a lady called uh, Louise Far. she did in the very infancy of my podcasting. Um, she did, I think it was episode eight, episode nine, maybe, um, the power of pets and her love of a, a rescue dog from, um, from the Eastern block, um, And that's that companionship, that commitment, that loyalty to each other, that that Mm. love they share. She said it's immeasurable. Um, And I I absolutely get it. I absolutely get it. Um,
1: I can't go without having a dog in the house. It's just um, my joy. And you can walk in out of any kind of a day that you've had and there's a waggy tail and um, somebody's just happy to see you. They love you no matter what. And um, so that I love you no matter what thing goes both ways, (laughs) unconditional love. Um, Somebody once said that the word dog, this might make you feel better about it, that the word dog spelled backwards is God. Yeah. Yeah. So you think of that. These are little loving creatures that will love you unconditionally and are little gifts to us to remind us to be good, good people.
0: I mean, on that note, um, God with a small G is something um, that uh, very, uh, I think it was Wayne Dyer put it out there about, we are all, um, you know, micro versions, uh, manifestations of God. And, and, and you can imagine when that was first put out there, the, mm-hmm. you know, the religious um, fraternity, how they reacted to that with, you know, about God with a capital G. Um, but if I could be allowed to share my own personal view... I get and and I buy into it, and I also buy into our furry little friends um, being that because they are energy, they are a vibrational energy that's sheer part of this universe, and it's only I think our human arrogance over the years that gives us that that right to think that we can do this to a poor defenceless animal, or we can take control, or you know, and I just I just think it's also wrong. I really do. Yes.
1: I agree. Um, one of the one of the best things about doing what I'm doing with my books is it has shown me how many kind, loving people there are in this world, how many people feel the way we do about animals and are so upset by that abuse and neglect. And um, I'm just discovering rescues everywhere where people are doing the best they can to save dogs' lives and give them love and find them loving families. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing.
0: It is can I, not... can I? Yeah, go oh. on. Sorry, please.
1: Would you like me to tell you about one more amazing person? She's one such person, and it wasn't just dogs, but but other animals as well. Yes, please. And that's my book, uh, The Adventures of Grandma Charlotte. Which, yep. Are you ready? Are you ready to hear this phenomenal story? Okay. Okay. So one of my mom's dearest friends named uh, is Charlotte, and she was about 90 pounds soaking wet, a tiny little lady with the world's biggest heart. and. She loved animals of all kinds. She's more of a cat lady and she feels the same way about cats, you know, being Mm -hmm. those special loving creatures that we were talking about with dogs. And um, she was a teacher for a number of years and uh, she was divorced. Her children uh, grew up and moved to different States and um, she's a master gardener. And that was fun for a while. She would do presentations at Princeton university and uh, do all kinds of things in her area with nature very much respecting the planet and decided she just wasn't doing anything meaningful anymore she really missed that i guess that face-to-face impact she was having on the children and making a difference in their lives Mm. so she started to volunteer i only know the name of one of the groups is called global volunteers but she worked with a number of groups and they would just go everywhere and do all kinds of things so she would come back and show pictures of her, this tiny little woman on this gigantic sea turtle in the Galapagos Islands, you know, (laughs) riding on a sea turtle. At age 76, she went hot air ballooning over the Serengeti. Um, She had a week or two weeks where she spent in an orphanage in Romania just rocking babies for seven hours a day, just loving them. Um, She would sleep on the floor in the jungle when she was studying lemurs. I mean, she was doing all these things that were making a difference for people and animals. She, her very first one was to go up to, into the mountains in the Andes, and she learned um, how to speak medical Spanish um, to the women there because um, there was so much uh, infant mortality before the children were even born. There was no prenatal care, um, and she wanted to fix that. And so she learned medical Spanish and went up into the mountains and, and worked with these women. She's just this incredible giving lady, as humble as you can ever be. She never was self-important doing all these just incredible things for people and animals and the, and the earth. And so she is the uh, star of The Adventures of Grandma Charlotte. Um, the other grandma is my mom and she's Grandma Shirley who had different kinds of adventures and her adventures were intellectual. So in her 70s, she learned Italian and she was doing all kinds of exercise. They met in an exercise class. She would watch the Weather Channel because that was fascinating to her. <laughs> and so um, this book really talks about um, different ways you can give back to the world and enrich yourself, enrich your own life as well. And uh, there's a little bit of a diversity in here. It's a diversity in all my books honoring that. Um, and at the back, there are some educational pieces for the kids. For example, you know, where is Romania? Find that on the, on the map. Mm. um what kind of animals would you find in the serengeti where is that and then the important one for me is so how can you do something that's meaningful and meaningful to the world and who can help you achieve that so there's a little educational piece in the back yeah. to get them uh, to thinking in those terms of really giving back to others looking kind of outward from our own little slice of the world and looking to see how we can really get back to the planet
0: super what i mean what a what a great um makes it sound contrived but when i call it a strategy um it's, it's, but what what a, what a great way to you know to relate as you say to to young children those young inquiring fresh minds that will just soak up like a sponge information and that emotional connection that 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 young kids tend to have you know with with animals because the you know the minds and the the worlds haven't been corrupted about the you know, all these limiting beliefs that we learn over a period of time. And then to actually learn these 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 life lessons and these um, these insights, as you say, around, okay, so where is that on the map and what is the lesson here and all that kind of thing by relating to something on the surface. It was quite simple and just, just reading about a, a doggy story for it. I think it's phenomenal. I really do.
1: thank you thank you it's fun i just it's just a good way to i think make a difference in the world and it's fun and you know there are a lot of kids who maybe don't like to read but Mm. if there's something that um that really interests them they'll pick up a book and read about it because it just kind of calls to them now when i was a little kid they would give people comic books if they didn't like to read and get them reading that way Mm. to me the link is animals and um, i have a lot of friends who buy my books for the grandchildren. And this one, uh, one of the first ones said, um, I have to show you this picture. And she took a picture of her, her granddaughter in a chair. Granddaughter had come to visit, left some things in the car, came in the house and got this book. It was um, the first book, the sugar book, Can she come out and play. And while she was reading, she said, grandma, I'll be right back. And she runs to the car and she has a stuffed animal dog and she brings the stuffed animal dog in and she's cuddling this dog while she's reading the book. And that just melted my heart. Mm-hmm. You know, it just absolutely melted my heart. Um, and so, you know, it kind of serves many purposes. It gets the kids to read. It gets them interested in reading and, and different animals and different adventures. And I think it helps give back a little bit to the world. And then by giving some of the sales proceeds to the rescues, I feel like I'm really able to, to really, really get out there and help the people who are doing that great work.
0: Absolutely. How do you decide, Marla, which rescues to support?
1: Well, the first one I found Second Chance. That was one that was no question. The one in Puerto Rico. I had to do that. I started looking around um, locally in my area and found some, some rescues. There's a pet food supply store right down the street from my house. They're all about organic food and all natural food and things like that. And every few weeks they have different rescues that they've kind of checked out to make sure they're legitimate. Um, they come in and they do adoption events. And so I told them what to do with the books and they started inviting me to adoption events. So when I'm there, I'm getting to know them, they're getting to know me. And if we're there at the same time, I'll say, you know, I'm selling my books today, but part of the proceeds goes to these guys over here and, people oh goodness and some of them are giving me money they don't even want a book they just here give us (laughs) and so and then at the end of the day I'll tally all that up and I'll just say here you go and just hand them you know some money so uh, for something um, a smaller um, a lot of the ones are they're very very small they're not big huge ones that you hear about on the news or on Facebook or wherever. They're just really wonderful people who are fostering animals in their homes. They have small organizations, they work full time and they're doing what they can to save lives. And to them, you know, if I hand them $20, it's like gold, you know, it's, it's something that just really, really helps them out. Um, now the the biggest one I had, um, for grandma Charlotte, the lady I was telling you about, one of the things that didn't get in the story, um, she worked with you know jane goodall the woman who was just nominated for a nobel peace prize who worked with gorillas and and monkeys right yes 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 right she had a protege whose name escapes me right now but charlotte got to actually work with jane goodall's protege for three months in borneo rehabilitating orangutans and um so baby orangutans that had been abandoned by their parents or the parents were killed by hunters whatever she would go in and help uh, raise them and nourish them and, and um, rehabilitate them so they can go back out into the wild. And that was her favorite charity. She just loved that. Um, she passed away. Um, actually, the day I got my first shipment of books, so she never got to see it, but she passed away that day. And I went to her funeral and her family, you know, they all spoke about her, but it was very uplifting because they talked about all these different adventures that she had had all these years. And, um, I was just smiling because some of them were in my book and I asked permission if I could speak as well as the only non-family member to speak. And so I read them the book and they were just so thrilled that I'd given the book to family members so they could have a copy. And the little kids were coming and hugging me. Oh, it's my great grandma. <laughs> it was so great. Um, and so, um, I said, well, what is her favorite charity? And they said, um, Orangutan project in borneo and so um i kind of broadcast out you know this is what i'm doing with proceeds from this book this next month you know and so it's probably the biggest donation um that i have gotten gotten to give them through the sales because of that so um i was able to send them a really nice donation over there um and that was that was heartwarming too because that was in her honor and her memory it was something that was just so so cherished by her that experience she had in borneo Mm.
0: What's your dream, Marla, for the future of animal rescue in the U.S. Uh, in the US or, or Puerto Rico?
1: My dream for the future. My dream, I, you know, I think all of us who do this, our dream would be not to have to have animal rescues because all animals would have a loving home. Um, I'm not sure I'll ever see that in my lifetime. Mm. Um, but certainly to lessen the amount of... Um, of animals out there who are homeless or abandoned or abused. Um, So part of what I do is that um, awareness of kindness to animals, starting with the children, Um, really wanting them to learn how to respect and love and honor just like you and I do Um, animals, uh, treat them kindly. Um, Maybe if they're in families who don't, maybe they can kind of plant that seed with their families. and just my my dream would be a world where every cat and dog had a loving home.
0: Right, <laughs> and the the power and the poignancy of those words, Marla, for me, um, because before I ask you for basically where we can we can find your books, I want that to be the sort of uh, you to have the last word and the parting uh, parting shot, if you will. But before that, I just want to, I suppose, um, build on what you've just said there. Um, And this is kind of my, uh, my parting shot. Let's extend our love and compassion to those less fortunate than ourselves. Let's replace fear with love. And and that is very simple. It's very generic. We do have a choice. And I think once we're in this more love and uh, love filled, compassionate world, you know, cruelty to animals doesn't even come on the radar. Yes.
1: Kindness to everyone. And I, I don't know about you, but I've been, um, sort of devastated really lately in just watching the news, whether it's here in the United States or even around the world with, I don't know what I see is maybe an uprising in hatred. Somehow it's become okay again. And, um, I still believe there are more loving people than not. And I'm going to hold on to that belief. Um, but, um, I think it's important for those of us who want to spread that love and keep the balance um, on the side of love to speak up when we can, whether it's a person being wronged or an animal being wronged. I think we need to speak up um, in a way that will be heard because we don't want to cause more conflict, but I think we need to speak up um, for those who are more vulnerable.
0: And you know what, Marla, that is absolutely perfectly epitomizes what speaking from our hearts is all around. That's why this podcast was set up to reverberate that message around the world because I agree with you. You know, there is this. Um, this present situation, for want of a better word, where, you know, fear is crippling. I know in the UK, you know, there's, there's knives, you know, that pe- young people are getting killed daily with stabbings. I know in the States you've mm. got your your more than your fair share of challenges with gun crime and killings in that respect. You know, I mm-hmm. speak to a lot of your your country folk around various issues through the podcast around... You know the fear and the killings and the hatred and and it's and it and it all stems from that fear because people are lost. They don't know what to do, um, and they're crying out and it's they're lashing out in anger and fury. And on a very micro level, the reason I understand this on a micro level or initially understood it on a micro level, Marla was was from my own upbringing of the you know the violence and the destruction and everything that went with it. But I was lost. I was vulnerable. I was insecure. I was frightened. I was very, very fearful. And so I developed this this win mentality, or what I thought was a win mentality: get in first, win at all costs, do this, do that, never come second. And big boys don't cry. And we've already spoken about that that <laughs> garbage. Um, and so that I think what's needed now, and it's not going to be a quick fix. Because I think it's gone so far down the road. But this whole re-education around who we are as, as human beings and our responsibility to each other, to the universe, um, there's a radical, radical change needed. And and you're right, Marla, it's you know, people that have got the heart at the moment to to take that initiative, take that responsibility and say, Do you know what? On my own I can do a bit. But collectively, we can do a lot more. And that's where my crusade lies these days.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And if there's anything good that is coming out of this rise of violence and hatred and intolerance towards so many types of people, um, the rest of us are banding together. I really do feel that. Mm. Um, you know, if you're on any social media or, or just chatting with your friends, what groups you might belong to in your community... The rest of us are horrified and i think we're banding together to say you know we have to do something we feel helpless but we have to do what we can when we can and i think it's it's kind of galvanizing the rest of us to make sure that love prevails i think that's um maybe a side benefit to all of this is that we are definitely coming together
0: absolutely so on that note marla as i as i flagged up about five ten minutes ago um, around you you know your books where 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 can your books be found
1: oh boy i got so excited about the other stuff i forgot about my books <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah
1: um, a couple of places they are on amazon and they're on amazon uk as well Excellent. Um, under my name marla stall s-t-a-h-l um and if you go online i have a web page it's woof books w-o-o-f like woof woof do dogs say woof in the uk
0: Yeah, we we understand that terminology.
1: Okay. Uh, So, W-O-O-F Books, Woof Books, uh, www.woofbooks.com. And my webpage should pop up. And there is a place where you can kind of get an overview of each book and a couple of different places on the website and order off Amazon there. Um, if you have any concerns, um, people want autographs, copy, anything like that, there's a contact me page where you can contact me and send me a note. And I also have a, a new book I just put together. It's called Wolf Books Teachable Moments because people aren't always sure what's in uh, the content of the book. But to me, what's more important than just reading the book is having meaningful conversations with the kids afterwards, especially if you're reading to them. Yeah. And so it's kind of a little overview of, each of the books, the values that are the themes that go throughout the books, um, and so that gives you some ideas of some things you could talk about, questions you can ask the kids, and um, to have meaningful discussions after you read the book together to get them thinking more broadly.
0: Yeah, and that alone makes it a you know a superb um, resource, doesn't it? Just just that alone, you know, to get kids in engaging in the the gentle art of conversation and what I was talking about earlier on about this this fear-driven world that that currently that well i think it's been building up for years i mean it's not a a recent thing that suddenly plunked itself on top of us it's you know mm-hmm. the the chinks in the armor from from my uh, reflections have, have been gradually appearing over time over time to the point where something's now given um so i think anything that redresses that balance and uh, you know, I'm, I'm certainly interested to talk to you on a on a more personal note, Marla, about this. Um, and I use the word, and I think it's the right word, crusade, um, because something has to be done. Something has to be done, and and that's not just for our little furry friends either. This, you know, for me, it's about the whole the whole planet, mm-hmm. this, this whole decimation, this whole, you know, the way we're imploding, and this. I can't get away from the word fear because that's what it is. But um anyway, um, let's let's end on a really positive note and uh, by me <laughs> actually giving you immense gratitude. Immense gratitude, Marla, for the for the amazing work you do and, and for you know for for share and, and for giving kids these insights and and connecting them with these these beautiful souls that we sometimes call dogs, often call dogs. Um I think it's a marvelous, marvelous gift. And I will use the word gift because I, I, I do a lot of work around purpose and, and the second stage of that three stage, um, journey, if you like, is, is to, is to, is to find your gift and your talent. And then the four, the third one, the final one is to give it away. And you're doing both of those. So, um, well, Thank you so much. So, and I really
1: appreciate the opportunity to talk with you and, um, Maybe have more people hear about what we're doing and, and get on board to do things in their own communities. Um, so I'm just I'm really honored um, that a, a person as wonderful as yourself has asked me to be your guest on the show. It's just been a, a delight. Thank you. Uh, and
0: I think on that flattering note, Marla, I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to sign <laughs> off and um, just thank thank the listeners for you know for being part of this uh, this this little journey that uh, me and Marla. Uh, Have shared, and I'm sure there will be others because you know we have struck a we have struck a a chord between us, and there is a a commonality of this um, this crusade. No apologies for using that word again. So uh, watch this space. So until next time, just keep loving, and let's keep loving our little furry friends called dogs, cats, budgerigars, little animals, whatever. They're only labels, but more importantly, they're beautiful souls, and they need loving as we all do.
1: Parts, helping everyone achieve results towards success.